After a week on the road, the New England Revolution are back at Gillette Stadium this Saturday night to take on DC United. The Rams on the board, right at the jump. Gather up your family and friends and take advantage of the Revolution Family 4-Pack. Get four tickets, saving up to 20% off individual tickets, and get $68 of added value with four concession coupons. That gives the Rams home crowd something to cheer about. Kickoff is set for 7.30. Don't miss out on this great deal. Get your four-pack today at revolutionsoccer.net slash tickets. Welcome to New England Soccer Journal's The Goal Podcast, the podcast for serious soccer players and their supporters to help further their development and navigate their way throughout their soccer careers. And now, here's your host, Matt Langoni. Thanks so much for joining us for another episode of New England Soccer Journal's The Goal Podcast. We've got another great show for you today, as I'll be joined via Zoom by Wesleyan women's soccer head coach Ava Meredith. Ava is entering her 19th season at Wesleyan, and last year, the program enjoyed its best season ever. The Cardinals advanced to the Division Three Final Four, falling just two wins shy of a national championship. So, what will they do for an encore in 2022? We'll ask Ava that very question, and much more. Welcome, Ava. So great to have you on the podcast. Thank you, Matt. Great to be here. We're getting here. We're getting close here. It's crazy. We're in, we're in August now, and season is just about a month away. Uh, you mentioned off air that, uh, you know, preseason training will start up in, in a couple weeks. Going back to last year, I mean, you had a long season, obviously, that ended in, in December with, after going to the Final Four. Did you have any time to reflect um, after the season? I know recruiting and everything keeps you pretty busy, but did you have any time to reflect on what the team was able to accomplish last year? Yeah, I think I think you're right. It, it comes after the season. When you're in season, you uh, you're just preparing for the next game and and hopefully uh, you know uh, uh, the next win and the next round. So for me, I took it. I I think I you know took it in after the season um, a lot more. Uh, you do it for a little bit of, of time and then you have to move on again, right? Just like you're saying, then you have to prepare and see if we can do it again. What was it like when you were in it last year, when you're, you know, match after match, you're starting in September and, and cranking up and then you're getting to the conference tournament. Uh, did you have an inclination during the season that it was a special group and the season had a chance to be, you know, one of the, one of the more special ones of your career? I, I did. If you'd asked me, would I have said we're going to, you know, make it to the NSA tournament for the first time and go all the way to the final four? No, I wouldn't have said that. <laughs> but I knew the year before COVID that um, there was uh, something really great developing within this group as far as talent and leadership, because remember, we have to have both. So uh, the fact that we could continue during the shutdown, if you so will, to train and develop um and and this is what happened. They were excited to play again. Did that COVID year, that year of, of not playing in 2020, did that, uh, you, you kind of hinted toward it, did it serve some benefit to the team? Because I'm, I'm imagining, you know, in, in conversations I've had with coaches that it was huge for, for Zooms and, and player interaction and camaraderie and stuff like that. Did Did you get a lot out of that year, even though you weren't playing matches? We did. We did because... It, a normal season, you, you you prepare for the next game. It's more team-oriented than it is individual development at that point. Uh, yeah, some of that, of, of course. Uh, but 
during that year, we got to train in the fall and we got to train in the spring, which, uh, you know, the NESCAC, we don't have a traditional non, non-traditional season. So to be with the group for a full year, just uh, developing players and still having competitive once we could have contact, uh, have some con- um, competitive interest squad uh, competition was very helpful for my team. One thing that jumped out at, at me about the team last year, I think you outscored opponents. I, I believe it was 50, 52 to 11 or 53 to 11. So you, you kind of excelled on both ends of the field. Uh, where do you kind of check in with what your identity is or, or what you prefer the team to be? Are you more a defensive-oriented coach? Are you more of a balanced coach? I mean, how, how did last year's success fall in line with what you prefer? Well, I joke sometimes and say, like, as long as you score one more goal than the other team, you <laughs> Game, right right so I, I guess that makes me an offensive minded <laughs> coach I think that with the athleticism that we had in not just three uh, front runners but like two layers almost six you could you could rotate that we we play in a four three three so you could rotate the three forwards uh, with another three that are you know as good um, as the first three uh, you can you can um, instill and you can implement a high pressed uh, game and that's what I thought we did we, we really like to win the ball high up the field and, and go to goal if we can right and obviously having a player like Grace Devaney is is a big advantage um, all-american last year uh, great goal creator for the program you have her back again this coming season what kind of impact does she make on the field for you guys well you always have a chance to win because of her speed but but speed is not enough Grace has really developed as a soccer player over the years um, here. Uh, she came in and she was maybe mostly an athlete. And, and now I, I'd say she's a, a really, really solid soccer player as well. And I know what she wanted to work on this summer was to become an even better soccer player so that people do not refer to her as a great athlete, but a great soccer player. And I thought that was, uh, you know, a, a great goal for her to, to have. But, you know, you always have a chance to win with a special player and, and teams that make it far need to have special players. And, and a big part of your job is kind of like you said, you, you get a lot of players that I, I, I bet are, are great athletes and, and were dominant high school players when they get to this level. And then it's you have to coach them up and get them to that to that next level. And you've been doing it for a long time. What, what was it? Was this kind of like a long time coming? Did you always see the potential at Wesleyan to have success like this, even though you're, you're in, you know, such a talent rich region of the country and such a great league in the NESCAC. But did you always see the potential at Wesleyan to have success like this? Well, well, that was my hope when I, when I came here 18 years ago, however, it's taken much longer because of the, uh, um, you know, the commitment from, from the school sometimes and, and the, the difficulty of the academics um, to, to get players, um, accepted that are you know great players and great students I think we've found a much better balance in the last uh, I'd say five six years number one I've had an assistant coach for the first time that can help out with the you know the recruiting and then um, uh, and and our athletic director that came aboard um Mike Whalen is also someone who wants success what was it like being around the players last year that kind of the mood of the team to, to go through that historical success. I imagine it must have been a fun group to be around. And as each win passed, they must have gotten more excited for, for what was possible. Yeah, and I think that the, the joy was the fact that you see how happy they are and how 
you know, yes, you can expect certain things and you can you can set goals for a season. But after every game, the, the joy for them to be, oh, my God, you know, we won another one. And then we are we're at MIT and we're going to the final four. And like every step of the way, they just took it in and enjoyed it. Right. I was going to say, like, how how difficult was that for you as a coach to kind of balance that that aspect of letting the players enjoy the success and get excited, but also not get too excited and kind of did you ever have to, like, so to speak, bring them back down to earth after a big win and kind of let them know that there's still more to accomplish? Or did you kind of just ride out that that excitement and let them and let that kind of be the identity of the team? Again, I'm going back to the leadership. You have to have strong leadership. And we did. So I didn't really have to reel them back in. It was like, okay, back to business. It was, we enjoy it for the day and, and you know, the day after. And then it's back to business because these games come so, you know, so close together. But of course, after, if you don't enjoy it, what if you don't get to experience it again? Then it was, you know, not the same. It was not the same experience. So I think for me, it wasn't. They did that. They wanted another one. They wanted to win again. So competition in practice has been 180 change from a few years ago. They compete and they allow themselves to compete. The uh, the preseason national top twenty five is out for for Division three, and uh, I'm sure you've seen it. I know coaches don't like to pay a lot of attention to these rankings and probably try to keep the players' eyes off it as well. But but um, your team is ranked fourth in the in the preseason poll, top twenty five. Obviously, um, coming off a Final Four season, that's not a surprise, but it probably does bring more expectations to the program this year you won't be catching anybody by surprise they other other teams especially in the league know what you have coming back how do you approach that being a top five team in the country right now yeah and and i i smile sometimes when the rankings come out because they 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 start the way they ended right you end (laughs) you end the year you haven't played a single game so you end the year fourth you start the year fourth you know i think for me as a coach leading a group that had such a success it's to just take it day by day step by step it's the process if we start to look ahead and we measure everything to last year you know i think that we can be in for for um some disappointment so i think for this group yes uh, expect things and and also realize that there will be you know external pressure and expectations but you have to know what you can do and you have to go and compete every day in practice. You have to be prepared when you come in and then you have to just give it your best every day. Uh, And that's the only way we can come back to a final four. Within that top 25, there's four NESCAC programs, uh, you know, which speaks to the level of play that, that it lies within that league. I mean, I think it's, it's not a stretch to say it's, it's the best league in, in the country, men's and women's Division three soccer. What's it like to navigate through that conference schedule and then get in the conference tournament and really, you know, on a, on a game-by-game basis, you're seeing a top-level team? A few years ago, I don't know if you remember Michelin Pinard that was, um, you know, a successful coach at Williams for, for many, many years. And, and a few years back, I said, you know, why do you think you do so well once you get into the tournament? It almost got easier once they got into the NCAA tournament the first few rounds. And she said to me, because we compete against the top level every week. And and that just resonated with me. And, and that's the answer to your question is we compete 
against the best every week. So when you get into the NCAA tournaments, it's not a shock. You've seen it, and and you just you know play another really great team. Um, whereas maybe some teams come out of conferences where you know top and bottom has a bigger discrepancy, and it's different for them. But for an SCAC team, that's the level we play week in and week out, and it's very helpful once you get to the tournament. How would you assess uh, which areas you'll be particularly strong in th- this coming season? Obviously, we mentioned Grace Devaney coming back, and I know you have other key players back as well, and uh, a lot of big game experience after last year. But what areas do you feel are really the strong points of the team this coming season? Well, the thing is that I think w- what makes us good is that we're so well-rounded that we have you know, good lines. Uh, we have some young talent, too, coming in in our freshman class that will make our the defense look look different, a little different, maybe a little more overall attacking minded um, defender, you know, outside uh, defenders. Um, I think the bigger challenge maybe is to piece it all together quickly. You know, we, we don't have a lot of time ever. We have a little more time this year with, a, you know, a couple of extra days. But I think that's uh, uh, more challenging than uh, you have the talent. What do you do with it? Yeah, it definitely sneaks up on you. What do you when you're out on the recruiting trails? Uh, what are the main things you're looking for in in players? Uh, is it super important to take care of New England and, and recruit this region? Are you, are you do you have niches elsewhere that you've really carved out for the program? What are the main things you're looking for? I look to recruit um, sometimes based on you know institutional recruiting priorities. The, do we want to reach? Um, geographically into, you know, Georgia, Florida, whatever it might be, trying to to piggyback on that. But I always want to have a local presence on our team as well. But I want us to be diverse as far as reaching, you know, reaching um, across country, really. And I think we've done a good job with that um, because it's, it's really, really great to have uh, a diverse team. Um, as far as you know, regions they they represent when they get here. Is the is the recruiting is that an aspect of everything that that you do as a coach? Is that one of your favorite things? Because I, I you know I always I marvel at the, the amount of work that goes into the recruiting trail for for coaches right now. I mean, I feel like the work never stops for you guys. You're constantly on the go. You're constantly not just looking at what you have for the current season, but what you have for three, four years down the road. I mean, you, you have to think that way. Where, where do you kind of fall when it comes to, to that aspect of coaching? I mean, I think recruiting, as we know, is our bread and butter. Uh, we, we have to be out there and find the, the best uh, talent for, for, for us, for Wesleyan. might not be the same as for, for uh, another school. What, what's um, tougher or what's more challenging these days is that you don't even get to see. I don't get to see this incoming class in the fall uh, to make sure they panned out or they fill the the holes that we are hoping that they can fill and we we don't get to even know that until the other class is sort of committed to coming the 23s you know so that's a, a shift in my you know 25 years as a coach that's a big shift we used to, recruiting used to to begin and end and you had a chance to see the season and then like, OK, we need this for for next uh, for the next cycle. Now you're guessing what you need, you know, what you need. Um, and therefore, when you go back to what are you looking for? That good, solid soccer players, right, that can be comfortable, 
with the, the ball at their feet because from there you can build something. But yes, recruiting is, uh, you know, me, if you're asking what I love the most, training and preparing for games. <laughs> I don't play. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's that's me. Recruiting, you, you do because you have to. Uh, and I'm not saying it's it's uh, bad to be out and, and you know, a beautiful day be out at a, a, a field. But for me, I love the competition. New England's soccer journals, The Goal, will return after this. Hey, here's a great new idea in fundraising. Soccerhead's New England Comedy Fundraisers. This is better than a stand-up show. It's an event that your community will never forget. You'll get soccer-themed comedy with Paul Nardizzi, who has been on Conan O'Brien, and Nesson Comedy All-Stars, along with Dave Radigan from Sirius Radio Comedy, and Jim Ruberti. There will also be giveaways and all sorts of extras. Want to make money for your soccer club and have fun while doing it? Email the guys at SoccerHeadsNewEngland at gmail.com. That's SoccerHeadsNewEngland at gmail.com. Are you serious about playing your sport in college? Do you need a flexible education that allows you to maintain your practice and competition schedules while also preparing you to succeed at the next level? You should check out the University of Nebraska High School. UNHS is accredited and offers more than 100 online courses, including NCAA-approved courses to protect your academic eligibility. Students could earn a UNHS diploma or take a single course for transfer credit. Courses are college prep, self-paced, and available 24-7, 365. Enroll anytime and take up to a year to complete a course. Visit highschool.nebraska.edu today. Looking to keep up with all the latest news and information on New England soccer? New England Soccer Journal and NESoccerJournal.com are the premier resources for information and inspiration on the New England soccer scene. Have every issue of New England Soccer Journal, the magazine, delivered to your home or office. And don't forget to stay in the game every day with a digital subscription to NESoccerJournal.com to receive soccer coverage on clubs, college commits, prep and high school, division one, two, and three colleges, showcases, rankings, and so much more. Get in the game and behind the scenes now by going to anysoccerjournal.com. Just click on the subscribe button and start the subscription that is right for you today. New England Soccer Journal is a Siemens Media publication. Siemens Media. Inspiring. Informative. Insightful. Let's talk about your kind of personal soccer journey and you as a player. You're originally from Sweden, but you played your college soccer in New England at Franklin Pierce. Great career there. What was uh, the early years like for you in Sweden? I know you were a national team player there as well. You know, when did you really kind of fall in love with the sport? Yeah, at a very young age in the town I grew up in. You know, the, the club system in, in Europe is a little different from, from here. You play for the town you, you, you live in, you know, you bike to practice, you, you walk to practice and, and you're with your friends throughout. And then uh, when I was 19, I was recruited to play in the top league in Stockholm, the capital of Sweden. And, and uh, the journey was uh, from my hometown to, to Stockholm, play there at the highest level, and then um, had some um, looks at the national team Um and then I decided that I wanted to travel. And, and my national team coach, Pia Sundhage, who was uh, 
working in the same building I was working in at the time. Um, she now coaches Brazil and, and prior the U.S. national team. It just so happened that she knew Mark Krikorian at uh, Franklin Pierce. And she said, well, why don't you contact this guy or I'll have him contact you and see how it goes. And that was my college journey. That's how I ended up coming here, uh, playing at Franklin Pierce. How often do you get back to Sweden? Do you go frequently or? I used to go once a year. I, I you know, we all get older. I've lost both of my parents, but uh, uh, I hadn't been back in seven years, but I just came, I, I went back in June uh, for the first time in seven years. And and that's unusual. I don't think I ever want, my siblings are there, my, my childhood friends, my, my former soccer, you know, teammates are there. So I hope really that I can start going, if not every year, every other year. Yeah. Uh, I so- really wish that we had more of an international connection to Wesleyan so I could bring some um, international players here, but it's really difficult as far as tuition and and not having scholarships here. I bet I was I was going to ask that if you if you had been able to make any footprints there, but the, you're right. That's probably presents its fair share of challenges. As somebody who's never been to Sweden, I've always wanted to go. I've heard, I've heard great things. What what do you miss? What do you miss most about about being over there and, and living there? What what are the what are the best things? Well, you know there 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 are two two halves of of Sweden. It's the summer and it's the winter. Uh, <laughs> As beautiful and, you know, amazing the summer with, with the daylight almost 24 hours. You know, you can you can play soccer at nine at night. You can play golf till midnight. And that that's the beautiful part. It's equally dark in the winter. And um, <laughs> I've had my shares of winters. So so that that would be an aspect I couldn't really do again. Uh, but um, it's just a really it's just a really nice uh, country and and i mean for me obviously i love eating the food when i get back there and all the things that you know i reminds me of of days gone by um but it's a, it's a beautiful country a lot of water a, a lot of you know greenery um reminds me of new england to to an extent i was gonna say how does a how does a swedish winter compare to new uh winter in new england is is it worse here or is it worse there it's worse there. It's longer and darker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the dar- I feel like the darkness would be the thing that would really get the best of me. I mean, I mean, like, like I, I can handle the snow to an extent, but I wouldn't want to see dark skies and just darkness all the time. That that would be kind of depressing. It's dark when you go to work, and it's dark when you leave work and go right. back home. Although, if you could, if the trade off is I get twenty four hours of sunlight for a few months a year, I might, I might take that. That's pretty cool too. It's a, yeah, yeah. Well, you got to try it out. <laughs> um, how did you, did you instantly take a liking when, when you got to Franklin Pierce? Did you instantly take a liking to New England in this region? I mean, you've been here now for, for a while. Now you're in Connecticut now. Have, do you like this region of the country, of the U.S.? I do, because I think it reminds me of, of home. It's, uh, uh, I mean, coming to New Hampshire, I thought, I thought we were going to be a little closer to Boston, to be honest with you, because I'd lived in Stockholm for a few years uh, before. So um, when I realized that we were really out in the middle of nowhere, uh, I'm thinking, okay, I came in August. I was like, I- I'll stay till December and see how it goes. Uh, and then we, you know, we made it to the semifinal of the final four my freshman year. And then we all said, let's go back and do this again. Lost in the semifinal of my sophomore year. And we said, okay, we got to come back again. And we wanted the third and the fourth year. And then I got my, at, at at the mid to later point of my college career, an education became important, um, which I'm thankful for now because otherwise it wouldn't have opened doors for me to stay here and coach, obviously. Um, whereas at first it was just an adventure, going abroad, playing soccer, cool. 
another country. What were you like as a player in second part of that? Are, are you drawn to players now who, who kind of remind you of yourself? That's a good question. Um, I, I, I was, I, I was um, quite fast and, and um, had, uh, I, I'm repeating what my coaches have said, pretty um, incredible vision. Like I knew exactly where everybody were at, at any point. Through balls, great. When I played in the midfield, obviously uh, I was a goal scorer for, for a few years before my knees started to, to put a little monkey wrench in my running ability. But uh, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I would have one of me on my team. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a couple. Why, why stop at one? Maybe get five or six if you can. <laughs> yes, but, but you know, also you never know how you would measure up now. I, I'm so excited when I watch the, you know, the Euros with all the, the, the England and Sweden all unfortunately lost to a heartbreaker, but it's come so far. Who would have thought when I was first, you know, uh, dipping my toes in the national team that this is the experience they would have uh, back then we, we barely played, you know, other countries. Right, right. No, it's 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 come a long way, and now you have uh, in the United States you have the recent collective bargaining agreement that will you know treat women's players essentially as equals to men's players. They'll get the same pay to, for play. So I, I have to imagine you see that type of stuff and that type of of development in the game and the women's side of the game and respect to the women's side of the game that you must really appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, and and I, I was telling someone the other day how um, I for two months when I lived in Sweden, my friend and her. Uh, English um, husband uh, owned a pub in England and I said hey can I come over I just want to play you know on a team and and stay for a while she said sure come over so I was in England for two months and I'll never forget when I looked up these it was Fulham ladies back in the day and they played in a schoolyard with taped up goals on like the fence behind and I was like and and the FA was in a a former horse barn or something I'm, I'm not even making this up it was so different that I can't imagine. And, and while we're talking 20-something years, uh, I, I'm so excited about the development from when I was in England for two weeks and trying to look up women's team to just train with. Right. And um, ho- hopefully, it only, yeah, hopefully it only gets better from here. I mean, imagine all signs are pointing to that the, the treatment in the, in, the, in the venues and everything um, available to, to women's soccer continues to improve. It seems like it will. Yeah, I agree. I hope so, too. You have about uh, a month. Um, the, the season opener for, for you guys is September 7th, um, I believe. I think it uh, against WPI, if I, if I have that correct. Um, players will be on campus in a couple weeks. W- what are the main objectives that you want to accomplish before you take the field for that, for that opening match? Get everybody on the same page um, is important. Uh, we have... Um, I have to count two, four, six, eight new players coming in. And um, I think that we have um, uh, we have a system, we have a formation, we have a style. We, we, we can plug them into that. We're not going to – I mean, I would be silly to sit here and say we're going to change everything. Well, why would you when it worked? But we also have to be more willing to tweak some things because, like you said, we're not going to sneak up on anyone. We're not going to surprise anyone. So – what do we do if things aren't going, you know, the way we, we wanted them to? We need to have um, better, a better backup plan this year than, than we've had, which what 
I can't tell you what that might mean, but <laughs> um, so so that's that's diff- that's important too during preseason to be able to not just uh, continue to perfect our system, but have another one that we can go to should we feel that it gets stagnant or you know things aren't developing the way we want. So, so a lot of that and a lot of just getting the girls to to know each other. And, and uh, they're all under new leadership now with new captains. So that takes a little bit of, you know, feeling out as well. Do you have many players who, have, who are taking advantage of the extra year of eligibility because of COVID, um, you know, taking advantage of that, that fifth year and that extra year and coming back this, this season? Uh, three are coming back. Three, three came back last year and three this year. And then, it's another cycle where I hope it's the Grace Devaney class, right? After this year, I hope a few of them um, decides to come back as well. But uh, the three coming back are, are, are really great players, and, and we're happy to, to have them back. Well, this was great, Ava. I really appreciate you uh, taking the time and, and coming on today. I'm, I'm sure I'll be chatting with you frequently as the season gets going and, and big expectations for the program. And I know you, you're, you're happy with what you have um, back on the field. So best of luck this coming season, and we'll definitely be in touch. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks again to Ava Meredith for joining the podcast and engaging in another great conversation. I'm Matt Langoni. Thanks for listening. New England Soccer Journal's The Gold Podcast is produced by Steve Safran and is a Siemens Media Production. You've been listening to New England Soccer Journal's The Goal Podcast. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to our podcast. Or visit anysoccerjournal.com forward slash podcast. Siemens Media. Inspiring. Informative. Insightful.